verse 1 of chapter 8 of the book of Acts. For those of you visiting, we've started a series through the book of Acts a couple of months ago. And we've gotten to chapter 8. And um, I must say, it's been an incredible privilege to follow the journey that um, helped us as a church to uh, be where we are at. Because we are a continuation of the book of Acts. And as you start to read it, you'll find out that that's an incredible history of how the church started. And uh, you will see the different stages that church went through and how the kingdom of God extended from Asia. This morning we will see how it extends into Africa and just how the gospel moved from one continent to the other and the different means by which the gospel was proclaimed and the part that you and I can have in it. So it's been an amazing journey. Our broad theme is that the best is yet to come. And I do believe that God has that promise, has given that promise to us as believers that the best is yet to come. It doesn't mean that the road is easy. It doesn't mean that it is not difficult as we see in the book of Acts. But he gives, that, gives us that promise that at the end of the day, the lifestyle that is called us to, the belief that we have, the God that we serve, at the end of the day, it is truly worth it. And the best is yet to come. And so we find ourselves here in Acts chapter 8, and we want to read from verse 1. And the scripture says, And Saul approved of their killing. And, of course, you would have to go back and read chapter 7 to understand this. Saul was the man who was responsible for Stephen's death, as you would have seen. Ken preached a few weeks ago on Stephen and on the subject of forgiveness. And we see here that Saul started to persecute the church. And we pick up the story here where he persecutes the church. Of course, later Saul gets saved. We'll see that probably next week, and he becomes Paul. And so verse 1 says, And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. And our text comes from the next verse, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. The Messiah means the coming king. Jesus coming for his people. That's why we've entitled this series, The Best is Yet to Come When We Meet Jesus. And so they proclaimed the Messiah there. Then the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed. They all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. That is what the gospel brings when it is believed 
great joy enters our hearts. But there was great joy in that city because the gospel was preached. The best came to them in that very, very moment. And then we go to chapter 8, verse 26. Let's look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up and sat with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter of course, speaking about Jesus. And as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was depraved of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Again, I say, this passage speaks about Jesus. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture. And told him, listen to this, the good news about Jesus. Can you say amen to that? I love that, don't you? That's our message, my friends. They told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And they came up out of the water. The spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way. What? Say that loudly. Ha. On both of those accounts, the key word is there. Firstly, the whole city rejoiced. Now we see this man going away. You're right. Rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azontas and traveled about preaching the gospel, the good news about Jesus in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Wow. What an incredible passage of scripture. In this chapter, we find the gospel not only going to the Samaritans, but we also have the first mention of the gospel of Jesus going to Africa where a number of us are from. The Ethiopian lived in what is now called Sudan, not quite modern Ethiopia, which is a little bit further south and higher up in the mountains. And so that's the second account. So we see that that's where the Ethiopian eunuch came back, came from. But when we look at the first part of the verses that we read, we find the gospel also going to the Samaritans, the, Samaritans, the first account that we read here. And there we encountered a man called Simon the sorcerer. And so we see two different accounts. One in um, Samaria where the gospel touched a man called Simon 
the sorcerer. And then going to Africa, we see the Ethiopian eunuch. And the gospel going out to them in such a powerful way. And, and, and the key verse for us to look at is simply the verse that we find here, which says that the gospel was preached everywhere. Um, in verse 6 it said, those who had been scattered preached the gospel wherever they went. I think it is fair to say that for you and I who sit here today, who have encountered Jesus, we can thank the people who had to flee from their homes and places for the sake of the gospel that we see in this verse. And we need to say thank you to them that as they left their homes, they didn't just leave their homes and go and hide. They left their homes and they went into areas and they preached the gospel. And you and I are the recipients of that gospel that was preached. And that's an amazing thing. Um, my son and Storm, uh, they live in New Zealand. The gospel is preached in New Zealand. We've got some people here today who are from England. The gospel reached in England. A number of us come from Africa. The gospel reached Africa. And my friends, apparently, and I listened to a guy, and he was saying this past week that because of the Ethiopian eunuch, with the gospel reaching him, Ethiopia is one of the few really um, strong countries, particularly within the upper area there, who still preach the gospel powerfully, and it's modern-day Sudan. And so we see here that out of this experience where these Christians were persecuted, the gospel reached other places in such a powerful way. And I'm so thankful for that passage of Scripture. But, but I want you to look at verse, the verse here in verse 4. Can you just look at it within your Scripture there? And can you take us back just to verse 4 there, please? Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They preached the word wherever they went. In the old Anglo-Saxon Bible, it says about verse 4, And everywhere they went, they gossiped. The word. These were not professional preachers, but they were ordinary men and women like you. They talked about Jesus when they went to the shop. They talked about Jesus in the backyard. When they went down the street, in the fields, at the well, they preached and they talked about Jesus. They gossiped about Jesus. No wonder the gospel spread in the way that it did. And so I've just broadly entitled my message, Gossiping the Gospel. Just gossiping the gospel. Gossiping the word. Gossiping about Jesus. Now, 
in every family, there is someone within the family who's the prime gossiper. Have you noticed that? If you want a message to go out, you just tell Aunt Teresa. If you tell Aunt Teresa, the message will go out. In our church, if you want the message to go out, I know who you need to tell. Because it'll go out. In communities, there are always the gossipers. And my friends, I just think that as a church, we need to become a little bit more intentional in not gossiping about those things, but gossiping about Jesus. Gossiping the gospel. And I love that. And that is why the gospel has gone all over the world because ordinary men and women started to gossip, gossip about Jesus. You know, sometimes we feel we have to be so qualified to speak about Jesus. But when you look at the early church, these men and women were men and women who just met Jesus. They got saved. They were full of the Holy Spirit. That means that they um, were in love with God and they were in love with the things of God. God really had them. And they couldn't help but to gossip about Jesus or to gossip the gospel wherever they went. Because it is something that was paramount within their lives. Remember, Jesus had just been crucified a few years prior. He had been buried. He rose from the dead. And so you see in the book of Acts, as we study it, they talked about the resurrection of Jesus all the time. Why? Because that was the miracle that got the attention, particularly within the first part of the book of Acts when um, they were preaching the gospel to the Jewish people because they were there when Jesus rose from the dead. And so they were gossiping about Jesus' death, about how he died, about how he was buried and how he rose again. They told that story over and over and over again, but they combined that story with the personal witness. And the personal witness was that um, Jesus became the resurrected Christ within their lives, changed their lives, transformed their lives, because they realized that until they met Jesus, they didn't have this new life that Acts speaks about. And now they found this new life and they gossiped about that experience and that person that they know all the time. So next time when someone wants to gossip with you about someone else, stop them and say, let's gossip about Jesus. Let's not gossip, uh, gossip about that person. I've got someone better to gossip about. And by the way, if you gossip about him, he doesn't mind if you gossip about them. He loves it. So why don't you talk more about him? But you would ask me the question then, um, how do we gossip about Jesus? Or how do we gossip the gospel? Well, just firstly, and it is so practical this morning, but I believe that if we walk through these points and this message becomes a part of us, my friends, we'll see the gospel 
go everywhere. In Zouk, in Switzerland, and all over the world. So you gossip the gospel when you use your personal circumstances to speak about Jesus. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And I know I highlight Marilee often, but her experience is just so key for us as a church. With her going through treatment, with her going to the hospital, she's gossiping about Jesus through her personal experiences. She takes people on a Thursday when she gets her chemotherapy that she knows who are people who are deeply in love with Jesus. And they sit with her, and when the nurses and the doctors come in, Marilee and those people in the hospital ward gossip about Jesus. You see, here Marilee is using her personal circumstances to speak about Jesus. You can use your personal experiences to speak about Jesus. That's why sportsmen and sportswomen are so effective when they encounter Jesus because they can gossip about Jesus within circles that we can't get into. Use your personal circumstances. Your circumstances at work. Some of you have senior positions in the companies that you work in. You can gossip about Jesus there. Gossip about Jesus. And you'll see the gospel spread in such amazing ways. I met someone just a little while ago, and they're from Cape Town. And as I was talking to them, they said to me, do you know Christo and Elise? I said, yes, I know them. Are they a part of your church? I said, yes, I know them. He says, man, I did business with Christo. And he says, This man has such integrity within the business world. The way we live our lives as business people will affect the way we preach the gospel to other people. People will listen to you. This man was a Christian, but it just really struck him how Christo would use his personal circumstances as it were, to gossip about Jesus. Secondly, you gossip the gospel when you speak about Jesus wherever you go. This is the practice that Jen and I have. Wherever we go, we want to gossip the gospel. And we don't gossip the gospel in a way where we get into the faces of people, where we try and Fend people. That type of approach um, just pushes people away. They don't hear. The way to gossip the gospel, as we said a few weeks ago, is to show the kindness and the goodness of Jesus. When people's hearts start to open up, we can start to share the wonderful good news of Jesus that he loved them so much that he gave his life for them. Goodness and the kindness of Jesus opens up the hearts of people for the gospel to reach them. My friends, 
Speak about Jesus wherever you go. Some of you are going on holiday. Some of you have been on holiday. The way you tip the waiter or the waitress can be an opening door to gossip the gospel. I can tell you the last few weeks that we, um, with Ryan and Storm, Jen and myself, we went through France, went to Barcelona, attended my other son's graduation, and we were in so many places where we could actually tip the people. And in some places, tipping people is just not normal. And we would try and give the people more than I think they normally get. And invariably, these people would stop and they would acknowledge the gift that is given. My friends, I just think wherever we go, we need to gossip about Jesus. I want to ask you, without putting a heavy on you, on your holiday excursion over the last few weeks, how many times and opportunities didn't you have to gossip about Jesus? If you just think back. I think we need to change our mindset and we need to start to gossip about Jesus wherever we go. Just thirdly, you gossip the gospel when you pray for others in the moment. <laughs> what an amazing way. Every opportunity that I get, I'll pray for people. And most often, I pray for people who are not a part of the Christian faith, most often. And you know, very, very seldomly will people say to me, you can't pray for me when I ask them. I just say, can I? And then I pray in a very non-religious way, a very non-offensive way, but I pray Jesus to them. You know, my friends, when you present Jesus to them, he draws them to himself. Wonderful scripture says, when men um, lift up Jesus, Jesus will draw them unto himself. When you pray for people in the moment, you gossip about Jesus. Look at chapter 8, verse 15. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. In the moment, they prayed for people. Practically, get into the habit to thank Jesus with your friends for the food that you are eating. That is one of the most wonderful ways to gossip about Jesus, is to pray over the food. When I'm at other people's homes, I do not do it because it's in their home. I respect their home. When people come to my home, nine out of ten times I will pray. And do you know why I pray? My intention is to gossip about Jesus. I see so many parents turning to the children, and that's good, and say, why don't you pray, why don't you pray, why don't you pray? I like it when I come to your home, because then I don't have to pray. Because so often they say, would the pastor pray, please? And I don't want to pray when I come to your home. I want you to pray. Amen? But don't get out of it by asking your child to pray. So many parents do that. You know, you pray over the food, but, you know, uh, don't pray the prayer for what we are about to receive. We are truly thankful. Amen. That's not praying. That's repeating a phrase. When we pray, we speak to the God of the universe. 
Amen? I think we've gotten away with that for far too long. When we pray, we connect with God. And when there are people who do not know God, my intention and my desire is that they would say, this man knows the God that he's speaking to. Amen? I want us to get into the habit of that as a church. Pray. Not a long prayer, please. Don't pray for everything in the world and then you forget to pray over the food. Pray over the food, but develop a prayer where you speak to God and you gospel, gossip the gospel when you pray. Amen. You know, get into the habit to pray for people when they are sick. Around hog and dawn, they know by now that if someone comes to me and they say, we're not well, we've got personal circumstances, that's not too good. I would say to many of the Swiss people there, and I've done it often, I'd say to them, do you mind if I pray for you? It's easier for me because now in Hagen Dawn they know I'm a pastor, so I can get away with it. If it's easier for you, you can come and I can just bless you as a pastor in our church. A little bit easier for me. And people will never say to me, no, you can't pray for me, and I'll pray for them. Or I would say to them, do you mind? My wife and I will pray for you tonight. Is that all right? I really discern whether I can do it or not. But that's how we gossip the gospel. My friends, we've got to close. You gossip the gospel when you obey the voice of God when he speaks. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip went. He left what he was doing. He heard what God said. And he went to the desert road. And God transported him from one place to the other. We gossip the gospel when we obey what God says to us. We need to develop an ear to hear what God says. My friends, God still speaks today. The instances where I have this thought within my mind and I obey that little thought within my mind and I do it and it's amazing how often I'm spot on when I go to that person. I want to encourage us today to listen to God when he speaks. It gives us the opportunity to gossip the gospel. I'm just going to mention the last two and then we're going to stop. We gossip the gospel when we ask the relevant questions. Look at chapter 8, verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. My friends, when we're with people, we need to ask the relevant question based on the circumstance that they find themselves in. It opens up a great conversation through which we can gossip the gospel. And then lastly, you gossip the gospel when you answer the relevant question. Acts chapter 8 verses 34 and 35 says, And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? 
himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He answered the relevant question. When I look at this congregation, each of you would have asked probably a different question. And so to answer that question, you would have to answer it in a different way. We love people when we step into their world and we find out who they are even in that moment and we listen and the Holy Spirit will give us insight. It will give us wisdom to that person's life. When we ask the relevant question, we can answer the relevant question that they have within their hearts. Because what you need to know, even before you and I are starting to gospel, gossip the gospel to people, God is really drawing them to you. He's preparing their hearts. But it takes a people who truly love others to gossip the gospel to them. Lift Let's rise up and let's gossip the gospel everywhere we go.